0: Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today, we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with part two of the interview that I did with Rob Ricardo. You may recall from the previous episode that Rob is a musician based out of Phoenix with several albums out, a fantastic talent for songwriting and performance. And today we're going to drop you back into that interview. He was just about to tell us about the first time he actually played for his wife and what that was like. Then we're going to dive deeper into his process and his experience and career in the music industry thus far. So I'm going to drop you right back in, guys. Enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side.
1: My the way we initially met was at my cousin's engagement party because my cousin is married to her older sister. Okay. So there was always somebody in my family, even before we started dating, that she had heard that like, oh yeah, he plays guitar. He's like in the like Jack Johnson. He's like a surf guy or something like that. And so she knew I played. It and then, and she's she told me she's like, when you picked up a guitar that first time, she's like, I was like, I hope he's not bad because like, I'm gonna have to <laughs> pretend that he's that he doesn't sound bad. That's awesome. <laughs> at least she's and I honest, was definitely, right? Definitely, definitely very rusty. um
0: But now, did you grab the guitar and, and whip out an original at this point? No. Or? So it, I was gonna say, like, that be was, ballsy.
1: This was, um it was an interesting situation. It was me, my friend Stephen, and his dad, because the three of us play, and there was only one guitar, because like we didn't play. Because I guitar, I didn't. I would usually bring my guitar everywhere. I wasn't playing at that point, so I didn't bring my guitar on trips anymore. Mm-hmm. And we were at their, their ski house in Vermont, and, and there was one guitar, and he's like, I got an idea. There may or may not have at the time been some drinks going around, and and he's like, I got an idea for a game. I think it was his dad's idea. He's like, we each play a song. If you get through the song, and we approve of it, you play another song and then move the guitar on. If you mess up, you have to take a shot. <laughs> and I don't condone any of this. Again, this is the, my other other life my first half of my life but uh it was it was hilarious and uh the key rule was absolutely no originals hmm. so i just i was like i don't know that i remember so it was all try- me trying to remember jack johnson and eagles songs and yeah to answer your question like that's how it went down and it was just like an evening of it was you know innocent kind of guitar fun and that and i didn't, didn't expect it and then the, the drive home the next day is like you know you should really like you have a huge smile on your face playing guitar. Like you should really consider picking it back up. And it wasn't like, she was so like smart and intuitive with it. She wasn't like, you need to do this. Like, this is your passion. Like, she, you know, the way she tells me now, she's like, yeah, I remember like, you know, she's like, I think you should just, it makes you happy. Like you should do things that bring you joy in your life. And then I, I thought about it. And a few nights later, I, I was walking back from work in, in Manhattan and I was like, oh, I have this idea. What if I like, start trying to write songs again or start recording songs again, rather do covers and I'll do like one take and I'll record it on my iPhone and I'll send it to her. It'll be called one take wonders. I I think of, I have to go all in with her. I do it. So I was like, how can I brand it? So I'm going already down there before I I pick it up and I like record, I don't even remember song I recorded. And it every morning I would like, wake up before work, record after my roommates left and I'd record something on my iPhone and I'm like send it to her. And it mm. started this thing where I was like rediscovering the joy again. And then I started writing music again. Nice. And then it just came back. Cause like the muse, the muse had left me. I had, I've always had this like kind of sounds weird, but it's like female creative energy. Like you feel it. It's the it's the muse. There's no other way to describe it. Mm-hmm. A lot of artists will talk about it and it's this, energy where you have to like nourish it you have to respect it you have to appreciate it you have to take care of it but you also can't take it for granted like like any significant other and I had like turned my back on that muse when I you know gradually let go of the guitar and it was this one to two year process of like getting her back to me mm mm-hmm. and that's the best way I can describe it and right now I feel like I have a great relationship with the muse
0: That's so, beautiful
1: which I'm, I don't take for granted at all.
0: I love the I love that you describe that as feminine. Uh, I yeah, th- I think um, I've heard a few people describe it similarly, but one of the one of the most beautiful explanations of that male female dichotomy of energy, obviously, is in the yin yang symbol, right? But the female energy being chaos and the male energy being order, and there's a little bit of feminine in the masculine and a little bit of masculine in the feminine, which makes up that symbol. Yeah, right. And so you as a as a masculine energy, reach into the feminine energy and create some order from it. Do you find that that's uh, applicable or no? Uh,
1: yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense to me, especially now. Yeah. So Now I've like explored that stuff deeper. At the time, even but even at the time in high school, I, I would be like, "There's this female energy." It was just I could. It was just for me. It was. It felt like it was like a maybe it's just because like you're when you're playing guitar, you're always kind of like you start out usually if sing, I, At least me, I, I was singing songs about girls or like writing a song so you could like maybe sing it to a girl but i was too shy to ever do that <laughs> and so maybe that's what kind of made it feel like that but i don't know there was just there was just like this yeah i don't know just had this like female presence that was like but it was like this guiding presence this guardian like presence where it was like it's here for you like you have this whether it's a gift or not it's it's just it's always felt female to me mm. i know that's it sounds it might sound odd to a lot of people but yeah that that's just the best way i could describe it i know you're familiar with xavier rudd uh not really i know the name but yeah not he's an australian-based guy and one of the he was tied into like the the surf scene by you know by way of like jack johnson and stuff so i listened to his music early on and he describes it the same way and i heard it after i had like described it to other people several times i was like oh at least okay now i'm not the only one and now you hear a lot of people describe it with a like, that way but he'll say there's like this female energy he calls it like a grandmother spirit or something everybody's got a different name for
0: it sure it's you know it's the muse so why do you why do you know it's feminine Ah, that's a
1: feeling i I, guess now especially who what's to say what feminine and masculine is because i I actually now i mean we can go down a rabbit hole there but it's like (laughs) feminine now i understand that feminine does not mean female everybody has a feminine energy within them and different levels of the feminine and the masculine Mm -hmm. and what those mean right in reality versus what they mean in society, Mm -hmm. which is what we think reality is. And, and yeah, to me, I I guess I maybe mistakenly call it feminine because it it has this, it's got this, uh, I can almost, (laughs) it's going to sound crazy, but I could like almost see like a face on it, Mm. but like, it's like a present. It's not a weird, spooky one. It's yet, it's so hard to describe. I try to, I've tried to describe it to some people and I think I've failed every time, but (laughs) But maybe that's maybe it's impossible to describe. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's
0: the point of it all. Who knows? Yeah, that's beautiful. So, does the songwriting process always start with that feeling for you, or does it start with yeah, more of an it's, idea? it's
1: recognizing. It, it's there's a there's a variety of the process. Definitely runs the gamut of, of how I come up with songs nowadays. But I've learned to recognize a feeling and know when to chase a song deeper. Like I was up last night at two a.m. because I was like, the song's gonna leave me if it do- doesn't if I don't get at least halfway into the second verse. And I did. And I was like, yes, went to sleep, woke up, finished the song this morning. And it was nice. a song that I started yesterday. Wow. But it was a concept that I had in my mind for at least a month or so. Mm. And I actually posted on Insta. I posted on my Instagram last like, there- night. I was like, wow, I, the way I thought about it, I like took a photo of like my like recording semi- a setup where I was recording like a rough demo of it. And it was just like, Sleep scientists say, you know, get get to bed before 10 p.m. And I'm like, okay, I know that's important for good health. I'm going to do that. And then it's like the muse. All the good songs come after midnight. And it's just me like facepalm emoji <laughs> because that's exactly the truth to me. There's something about that hour when I'm like most connected to it. Mm, I can totally Between relate to that. After midnight, it's usually between midnight and 8 a.m., which is when you're supposed to be asleep. So it's not conducive to long-term sleep health. But there's something about there's less. I think there's there's less people using up the energy. Everybody else is sleeping, so there's more. There's not as much stuff like diluting the energy. You know, you know what I mean? Dude, I love that. Yeah, and it I doesn't even that. have to be. You don't have to be hard. I could buy that theory. Work or yeah, yeah. You know how it is. It's so I love that hour. Mm. Yeah, if I could be. I mean, if I could never sleep, it'd be great, but sleep. And then I listened to a a podcast on sleep, like, a a few weeks ago. And I'm like, oh, man. It blew my mind open. I was like, I really need to, like, capitalize on my sleep. And then there's that part (laughs) of me that's like, you're going to be forfeiting a lot of songs. Yeah. And not from, like, a hustle-hustle standpoint. It's just there's something about that hour where Mm -hmm. I'm, like, really connected to the muse. And I'm, like, really in tune with myself more than the later parts of, of, of the day, like the afternoon.
0: For sure. I mean, I, I think there's something to the fact that people are just programmed to rise and fall at different parts of the yeah. day, you know, and, and your cycle is your cycle. Yeah. You know, if you rise with the sun, cool. If you yeah. rise in the afternoon, <laughs> that's cool too. If it yeah. works for you, you know?
1: Yeah. And the, Ayur, are you into Ayurveda at all?
0: Um, not really. So
1: I'm not like hardcore into it, but I do a strong yoga every now and then and, and one of our teachers, um, is really like ashtanga is like pretty much based in like an ayurvedic background if i'm not mistaken and so one of the things i few things that i have learned about ayurveda is there's three different like doshas or like body types and the the dosha that i am pitta is is apparently like their like prime like creative hour is is the hour that i was talking about like that after midnight kind of thing so i sometimes i try to write that off like well it's ingrained in me. I can't fix this, but <laughs> it, it uses an excuse, but
0: sure. How did you determine yourself to be that? Oh, there's just various
1: various uh, ways you could do. That. I mean, you could like fill out a thing online or you could I, just from the teachers that we have that are like Experts in it. I'm, I'm I'm just curious about a lot of different things. I'm by no means even close to being like a, a novice in any of that stuff mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was just one of those things that is pretty accurate Right at on. least I find it to be accurate
0: At what point in your uh, songwriting career did you sort of wake up and say, you know what? That was pretty good. I I think that song's got legs. You know, I think this, I think this will be something that people enjoy. Yeah.
1: It's funny you ask that because I, my wife likes to remind me because every time I say, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this is the song or like, that was the song. Like looking back, like, oh, that was the song where I like got it. Like it, it, I reached a new level. And she's like funny because a few months ago you said it was the other, it was like (laughs) two songs before that. But I think the first song where I, like, I really, air quotes, like, got it, whatever that means, mm-hmm. and, and really kind of reached a new personal level of, like, the way I approach songwriting is probably, probably this song I wrote called Revival, which is on my first album. Because that happened before playing in yoga. But there was something about the way I crafted that song. And I, like, talked myself out of adding an extra verse. And so it was the right amount. Because there were songs that were like one line, I think, shy of being. There's no such thing as perfect in music or anything, especially in art. Because it's subjective, But which I have to keep reminding myself. But there was something about Revival where I was like, yes. And I remember I recorded a demo. My wife was like, this is great. I sent it to like a couple friends who were like, this is great. And I was like, okay. And then a few months later, then the, then the whole, what I previously told, like the yoga story when the other songs came in. So that was one of the few songs from previous months that had also I deemed a fit to make that first album. But that was the first one where I was like, yeah, like that, looking back, like that's the one that I guess everything I had learned up to that point was like, okay, now you put in your, your 10,000 hours of songwriting. Like now you're on the level that you've always wanted. And then you always want to grow from there. So that level's relative. But mm-hmm.
0: What was it about the process or the end result of revival that made you feel that way?
1: Uh, a big part of it was a, it like, it had lyrical flow which is what i try to teach other songwriters like it's there's a difference between poetry and lyric and like music like even lyric poetry is is not music like it needs to in my opinion it needs to the best songs flow to the point where like you don't have to struggle to sing along to it you know the rhymes aren't cheap but the, the flow is is percussive and I, I bring that back to my percussive background that i talked about of why i'm able to like tap into that most of the time is is because it's like if you're hearing something it it the lyrics and the, the I keep saying flow, is no other way to describe it. The flow of, of the lyrics and how it dances with the melody of the song, that also, that drives you to tap your foot just as much as the kick drum. So mm. that song had that, but also the message was really powerful. And it's a, it's about all the kind of spiritual conversations my wife and I had been having, before, Even that, and then actually, yeah, yeah. So at that point, I had not started playing yoga, but, but so this is a few months after she had, Gotten into yoga teacher training. I had to check my timeline for a sec. So, yeah. So, a lot of those conversations are kind of in there. It's about energy and, like, the frequency. And, like, because I remember when we were hiking, we were super into the outdoors. And so, we were hiking in the superstitions. And I remember being, like, man, everything. Can you feel the energy out here? Like, there's, like, this ominous energy compared to, like, other places where it's, like, this, like, abundant or, like, providing safe energy in different mountain areas and we're talking about energy and she's like well i read that in a book and so you're going so energy is like you'll hear it all in the first verse and that song was the first time i was like "Well, wow, i'm actually writing something that's not like a song to play at a party just to play at a party or a, mm-hmm. or a, a cheap love song or it was a song that had direction and that's when while a lot of different genres influence me my music will always span different genres one thing I, at that point i'm like dedicating my life to making like positive like music for the journey like spiritually seeking music, kind of just putting my own journey, my own questions and my own realizations and positive spin on the hardships out there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not to lessen any other things that you can write about, but that's just what feeds me Mm -hmm. as an artist.
0: Totally. I get that, man. And um, how would you describe or what genre would you say you occupy if there is one?
1: Yeah. I don't I, I think everything is kind of folk at the end of the day, but you know, folk isn't just like quiet acoustic songs, which I love that stuff. It's the James Taylor background, but mm-hmm. um, folk rock, folk folk rock, you know, singer songwriter, roots music—you'll hear all different
0: things. Dude with it, guitar, dude with guitar. Yeah,
1: <laughs> songwriter is just, is kind of the easiest way to do it. You know, yeah. singer songwriter music, but folk rock—if I had to put one thing on there for sure.
0: Nice. So, do you have plans to um, sort of expand the band, if you will, or do you plan? I get to... that question a lot. Yeah. Do you really? Yeah.
1: Um, I've only played I mean I was in two bands in in college and mostly cover playing covers and stuff like Red Hot Chili Pepper covers and stuff but so I have a good amount of band experience and mm-hmm. a lot of solo experience and the one thing that I found and then I there was a couple gigs out here where I I put a band together just for fun and and it's just it's a whole nother logistic like logistic to get everybody on the same thing and you could tell by all the tangents that I've gone on in this conversation like I'll do that on stage like I don't do a set list I'll write down the songs that I want to play but I like to have the the spontaneity of being able to be like oh I'm going to extend this song and when you when you're locked in with the band over time you can do things like that but mm-hmm. and, you know it's it is still the humble beginnings and you know when I get to play a gig and being 100% fully independent like and not just to creatively get to do what I want but it's also in order to you know have a chance at it being like a full full career it's once you get a band involved, you know, there's a definitely definite a cost that comes at that. And there's more logistics on, like, how to get the show and, like, more equipment to lug around. So something that I could see happening in the future because I love playing with other musicians and I love collaborating with people. But there's also this dream of mine of, I'll just say it, you know, selling out Red Rocks with nothing but me and an acoustic guitar. I love that. Like, I'm a big fan of Passenger plays occasionally with a band, but he plays some massive, massive, like, you know, 130,000 person festivals which is him and his gibson j45 (laughs) and uh yeah but then there's like the trio or you know quartet like jack johnson kind of style thing that also excites me
0: totally what's the recording process like for you
1: so now it's just me in my apartment and microphone stands all over the place (laughs) and my my very understanding and very supportive wife like totally not thinking twice that there's a microphone stand in the kitchen from this morning's, you know, recording, (laughs) recording session, but it's, yeah. So right now it's super individual playing all the instruments and, and doing all the mixing and all the mastering. So pulling my hair out and second guessing everything. Um, But it's been a great learning process and previous prior to that, it was, with Eric Marina at Marina Studios which is like his home studio. I uh, met him at an open mic when I came out here and we became really good friends and he's an audio engineer. So, you know, I you know have all my had all my songs done and I had demos for a lot of them and he really made the process fun for me. And we just went into his his bedroom studio and we just you know, laid all right, let's lay down the acoustic, do the vocals, okay? Let's get the drums going and then we'll just bounce ideas for like harmonies and stuff off at each other. We just pick a mic up and things will happen. And some of my greatest like musical memories ever from making music with him in that bedroom, because it was just what we were able to create. Mm-hmm. You know, the technology is there's no gatekeepers anymore. You know, you yeah. can like that album would have cost 20, a minimum $20,000 if I went and recorded that in a studio and it was one tenth of that. Oh, easily. Yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, studio time is not cheap yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. And that's
1: their best part about right now because I've recorded almost every song like four different ways because I have the luxury of doing that, luxury meaning I can pull the plug on a version halfway through and not be like, well, you just wasted like six <laughs> hours of studio time or, right. or wasting somebody else's time. And Eric was always so good with that. I did do that. I did scrap a couple songs and he's like, all right. He's just really great with that. Um, but this is, I also wanted to like learn how to just up my output because i do want to i want to try to release at least a, the goal is to release a double album this year mm-hmm. and then i have an instrumental side project so i'll finish up out al- a second album for that as well so three albums worth of music so i want to get at least 30 songs out this year nice and the only way to really do that is to be able to record on the fly to be able to be like All right I'm home right now or i have a break right now i'm gonna knock out that guitar solo sing that verse stay up late mix it mix it on the road, mix on the plane, mix the song at a Starbucks, you know, Yeah. so.
0: So how do you feel about the state of music um, at current time?
1: I think it's the best time to be yeah. a musician, especially an independent musician. Um, as long as you have the right mindset, as long as you know that it's most likely gonna take a really long time to achieve whatever your goals are, and then whatever your goals are, when you do achieve them, you're gonna think that they're nothing and you're gonna set the bar higher and the, the process is just going to take a lifetime, which I think is the beauty in it. But it's also where the frustration happens. You know, speaking from experience, my goal two years ago was, oh man, if I could just get 30,000 monthly listeners. I put that number specifically out and I've just been sitting at that number for like five months. So be careful what you're asking. bigger you're number the yeah. universe. <laughs> yeah, which I had yeah. to learn. You have to be very, I believe in all that. You know, you have to be very specific about what you ask for, very intentional. And you have to put all the work in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was like, old wiring of like a i guess a scarcity mindset of just being like i can only get that number i think for some reason so i'm gonna pick that number and then you're like no no no, you have to you have to break past that you can use that as like a landing point and then go up more stairs to the next one but um but yeah to answer your question about the independent or being a music in general is is you know I, it's just so great because you can you can make music when you want how you want you don't have to worry about labels you know i've had those opportunities come up, and they just don't interest me at this point in my life um you know something would have to be the deal would have to be right, and then and even if that means you know you have to work other jobs to continue if music's only half your income, at least it's a hundred percent of yours, yeah, you know for sure, so that's the thing you have to weigh out,
0: yeah, do you worry about having to give up control at some point or no?
1: I think that's something in life I struggle with mm. i'm a, I'm kind of a i don't wanna maybe. I'm afraid to call myself a control freak. Maybe I am, but <laughs> I'm, um, I'm very hands on cause I love the, the experience of just being hands on with everything. And I've done so many different things. I've worked professional life. I'd, I had, I had worked so many different careers from TV journalism to, to marketing, to PR, to marketing. So all that stuff I had learned to do in a, like previous lives. Now I like mm-hmm. n- can now do for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's hard for me to let other people help because I think it's important to, for people to help each other. And a lot of times it's in, in an indirect way. It's like, you know, it's somebody just being emotionally supportive of like what you're doing, but even that, you have to let that in. You have to let compliments come in. You have to also let constructive criticism come in. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, to answer your question, it, it's, it can be a challenge for me to wonder about like what what does that mean? Like, what do you have to give up? And, you know, Mm -hmm. so, but as far as like giving up rights to music is like, I can't justify that right now. I mean, everything I've made which is either completely by myself or which is me and me and my friend. And you know, there, there are people that want to come in and they want to take like 80% of that. I'm like, that doesn't make sense, especially because I know how the marketing game works and I know, I know the numbers of like success and you know, nothing has ever felt right up to this moment at least. Mm. this recording but who knows jack johnson might call after (laughs) no i'm just kidding
0: (laughs) come on stage the high school kid in me is still like is he calling like he has my numbers (laughs) that's it we're playing in the park come on over bring your guitar nice so how has your uh, musical evolution changed um from the first album to what'd you say last year's album was the most recent release yes
1: well it's been a quick process i released my debut in june 2017 okay so not less little less than two years ago months basically
0: 20 months maybe
1: well yeah almost two years a month shy of two years and because it's may at this time right yeah i'm sure this will come out later so um it's may 2019 right now so yeah june 2017 or at least the calm within my first record and then i just kept writing and i released an ep a few months later also made that with my friend eric so ep is like a a mini album if you will Mm it's five songs compared to the 10 on my first and then uh I jumped right in starting to write the next stuff and and I slowly over 2018 I recorded uh, Seeker my second album and then I felt like I kind of hit for the first time like a dry spell Mm -hmm. or like a I don't really believe in writer's block I just think you just I think writer's block is a a figment it it, writer's block is based on the expectation that stuff should always be flowing in
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and when you let go of that attachment to things, have to always be coming in, that's when songs can, or whatever you're writing or creating can come back in. Mm-hmm. It also is a sign that you just need to open your mind up to new experiences or have new conversations with people. It could be a stranger in the supermarket or it could be, you know, a guru. It doesn't matter. There's going to be something that my music is a medium it's an expression point rather it's a medium for me to express the things that i'm learning Mm -hmm. basically on a six month delay if you will so the things you'll hear on this record are the things i battled with or facing or questioning all that stuff we're learning you know from like september so my album second album came out september of 2018 so few months after that you know it's when i started writing the songs that will become on this record and then a couple of stuff are like b-sides from other albums that just they just didn't fit on that album but and that's kind of how the process has been so it's really only been a two-year process which in the grand scheme is a really small window so it feels like it's just constant creation but i'm sure if i maybe look on a 10-year plane i'll be like oh those first two years i got i got lucky or something but i like to think it's just because of the I don't take the muse for granted, like, right. you know, how, how we talked about, so.
0: Totally. Is there a, a particular song, set of songs, or album or project that you find is uh, something that you just are super proud of, something that you're super happy with the way it turned out?
1: Yeah, my my first, I mean, I'm really proud of my second album because I went into that, like, Okay, now I'm building a fan base. People are listening. Mm-hmm. I got to make something that... Because you're making your first album like to no fans. And you know, I started recording that before I started playing in the yoga community, which has really, really catapulted my growth. You know, so I, I made that record fully, fully for me with no expectations. And I remember the first track on the album, which is my most popular song. It's called Adventure of Me. So, so proud of that song like because i thought it was going to be a flop like because i wrote it on my, my lap steel, and i'm like this is not going to make sense to everybody and then you know working with eric like we we just kind of improvised i was like I, I gave him all my ideas and you know he was really good to being like okay this is how we'll record that we're gonna mic that here and it just it just came together And i remember like i remember crying on the drive home from his it was like a it's a 45 minute drive from where i live to where his studio is and i remember that night I was still working a full time job at that point, so we were. I was recording late at night after work, so mm-hmm. it was like midnight. I'm driving back on the, on the uh, on the 202 here in Phoenix, and I'm listening to the song we just finished. He bounced it out, and so I put it on. He texted it to me, and I'm listening to the mix, and I'm like, "This is the best thing I ever done." I remember like like welling up, wow. and I send it to my friend Stefan, who was on the East Coast, and at that point it's three hour time difference, and so it's like after midnight there, and he texts me. He's just like. I used to, I remember. forget. He's like, I used to have words. Now there are none. Like he was, because he was the first person. He would critique me on every song in the best of ways. You know, he'd be like, that song was terrible when I thought it was like the greatest song, like growing up in high school. And then so so I have somebody that literally, he's like the Library of Congress of all my music. He has songs that I don't even have. I don't remember recording (laughs) because I recorded them on his computer before I had a Mac. He has
0: your blackmail.
1: He's got it. Yes, he's got everything (laughs) on there. So in order, for somebody that's seen the beginning to that point, to hear, to, to, uh, you know, to give you that kind of feedback, you know, really solidified the way I felt. That's amazing.
0: Do you find that as you, uh, finalize a song and release it, that you have a a good finger on the pulse of how it's going to be received or you're totally off base? Even
1: even then I thought that song, I didn't think it was going to be popular Mm. and it it became the most popular, you know, on a completely, this is just for perspective. It's not a humble brag or anything. you know, I released it in June of 2017. And I haven't really toured around the country too much other than playing, you know, a lot of... I played a lot of, like, yoga festivals and, like, yoga tours and stuff. And I haven't done on, like, major tours or major tours of other artists, which I'd like to do because all that stuff helps. But mm-hmm. just in that two-year time, uh, the song's already... It's almost... It's, it's approaching 600,000 streams on Spotify alone. Wow. Which, if you had told me that, even when I was driving back in the car going, like, this is the greatest thing I've ever done... I would just be happy if, it sounds really cliche to say, but I'd be really happy if just like a dozen people that w- didn't know me, like weren't friends or family, uh, if, it, if a dozen people that I didn't know just also liked it. Mm. So that song I was wrong on, and I'm glad I was, but there were, then a song like Let It Breathe, it definitely has more of like a pop kind of uh, catchy Jack Johnson kind of feel, and that song is my second most popular song, And that, but that one I, I predicted... Um, yeah, most of the time I never know And that's the beauty of it I'll release a single And like for this album I'm releasing a new single Every four to five weeks And you know f- For four or five weeks I can just be like Alright, how's this one gonna do On a five week span Compared to the first five weeks Of the previous one I've been wrong every time really? Which one was gonna be in The most most people's favorites Or have wow. the most streams And the most saves on? Because I have access To all the all those analytics Through Spotify So it's it's really crazy
0: That it's, it's strange to hear that because it doesn't seem like that would make sense. Like once you have a handle on the songwriting piece, yeah. because, well, I I guess maybe it does because in a sense you're writing, you know, inside out and expecting other people to receive it in some way. Yeah. Or maybe you don't have any expectation at all, but, um, yeah, it just seems like from like the production standpoint, you'd have a pretty good idea. Like, Hey, this, this song really moves me. It's going to move someone else.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I've come to learn now it's going to hit somebody sure but will it hit one person really hard or Mm. will it hit thirty thousand people pretty hard yeah or just lightly you know and i think both are good situations i mean if one person's listening yeah i i i'm still yeah you would think i'm still wrong a lot like i i can tell like like there are songs that like you don't hear of mine because i've in a way, I guess that's me doing that. I've, I've deemed these be like, are these just aren't good enough to even release past recording a demo of. So, and maybe there's a few in there that I could be wrong about, but, but that muscle, you, you kind of flex that muscle over time and you, and you, you do, I think have a good gauge on what's worth exploring further. But uh, yeah, as far as everything that does make the album, you never know. There's, there's a couple songs on Seek where I was like, this is going to be the most popular song. And it's like the least popular <laughs> song based on it's maybe somebody's favorite song, sure. but it's, it's you know based on all the major platforms it's got the least streams for whatever reason but and that blows my mind
0: it's amazing and
1: and and it's great i find it hilarious and like really telling of like once you can open up to that and recognize it you can it's a little easier to get out of your way because mm-hmm. you realize you're just stopping yourself from making good music at that point
0: yeah it's got to keep you guessing a little bit keep you humble in some it does. some sense of the word yeah
1: and that's challenged me on this album because then i realized i'm like this album is more have like has more of like a mixtape vibe where like every song is almost like a completely different genre. And I'm like, oh, well people are gonna hate this song and then I'll release it and they'll be like, I love this, I wish you did more like this all along. And I'm like, oh man, I never would've thought that. And then like you're like, and then one thing I learned is don't try to repeat what you did. If it happens naturally, it happens naturally. But I tried to repeat Adventure of Me and it did not become another popular song. It's one of my like lesser popular ones mm. based on streams, but. Sure you know, just the formula of like the instruments that you use, the vibe of the song. So, like, if it happens naturally, it happens, but don't try to force it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you find yourself to be kind of like a music snob? Do you like look at uh, like the pop charts and go, why the hell is this here? Yes. Why don't we have more? And I, yeah. I
1: wrongly am on two different, on many different levels, but I say wrongly am because, hey, I, I try to like do the work for my, in, into myself and just be like, don't, you're just upset that that person you know, your ego is upset that that person is making all this money and have all this notoriety, which doesn't, at the end of the day, it means nothing. Um, and you're like, oh, well, my song could be better than that. And then, but now I, that voice is like, you don't really hear that voice inside anymore. So, but it's still dormant in there somewhere. And you're mm. like, oh, you're judging the music. It's like, that's that person's art. Whether they had to use seven songwriters to write it or they wrote <laughs> it themselves because they really feel that way. It, that's music. There's Sure. You know, I guess I used to be like, I used to hate using electronic elements in music. And now I use it, I use them in a ton of songs because it's more efficient. And it's at the end of the day, it's all just sound. I heard Michael Fronte posted that once and I was like, that makes so much sense. All he's like, someone asked him, Do you like regular drums, like a drum kit or a drum machine? And he's like, Both. It's, it's just sound. And it really is. You can put a drum set in this room or like uh, an 808 machine. And if you don't know how to use, either of them like you're not going to be able to make anything but if you don't know how to play drums but you can play your 808 your beat machine you're going to make music and whatever's going to allow a kid to make music these days i'm all for mm-hmm. so i was very snobber, you know i was a snob like that and the other way that i know i was wrong is because i've be like oh god that ed sheeran song is terrible and then i'm like singing it for like four <laughs> days straight and i'm like well obviously it did its job and i'm sorry to use him as an example but i because i'm actually a big fan of him but uh, you know anybody that's on the top? I'm not into like the trap and the rap, the current hip hop. Mm-hmm. Sound like an old man saying that, but like uh, like an angry guy on the porch. You darn kid! It just does that. Just doesn't do it for me. But I think it's great. It does it for other people, and it's there are a lot of artists that have been you know they're, they're making their that change their life because they're mm-hmm. they're making music. That's and that's that's what music is for sure. You know.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that because uh, as I was listening to some of your tracks, like I noticed that there were some that were more acoustic as I air quote that than others and yeah. you could tell that there are electronic overlays um yeah. you know electronic elements and I know some guys who pick up the acoustic they're like dude it's got to be acoustic or nothing yeah and uh, I didn't get that vibe from you at all
1: no because I'm like a big experimenter with sound mm. and as much as I love Jack Johnson and he's I'm definitely compared to like that style the most when people are like oh what does he sound like oh like Jack Johnson or I find myself in that chapter like what is your music like and I'll say Jack but then like yeah, that's only if you pick like, maybe 60% of the songs in my catalog. There's 40% that you're like, is that a Chili Pepper song or something like right, that? Right. And it's because I was a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan. Like mm. that, well, that's when I got into electric guitar and I got obsessed with John Frusciante and just went down that rabbit hole. And so I'm I'm still doing that. To that point, That there's, there's some heavier songs sound-wise that I've recorded that I'm not even sure if I'm going to put on this album or not because I'm like... Will the Let It Breathe fans be like really turned off by this like distorted guitar? Like the music's all positive, like the lyrics all is all positive, but will that be a turn? And then ultimately I know I have to get out of my own way, mm-hmm. which funny enough is the name of one of the songs on the album, but I can't bring it up enough because I'm constantly in my own head and my own way with like, what are people going to like? Because now people are listening.
0: Right. Yeah. It seems like it's on some level, you know, you, you have to be true to them on a certain level, but you want to be true to yourself. Yeah. But if you alienate them, like you're not helping yourself, you know? So it's, there's this kind of push pull, it seems, and and, in some sense of the word, it's almost as if these people who you want to please could actually become something that pigeonholes you.
1: Yeah. And I I hear a lot of artists talk about that. You don't want to pander to your audience Mm. you want to respect them. And I think it's up to the artist to draw the line of like what's pandering to them and just playing in to make them happy versus I, I think it's like when, in, when your favorite artist goes on stage and he doesn't, he or she doesn't play their most popular song, the song that like made them just because like their egos, like I'm tired of playing that song. And That's the audience is ticket, like, dude. come on. And yeah. I'm like, I got to side with the audience on that. Like yeah. I'm never going to not play adventure of me or, or let it breathe at a show. Right. Even if I only have 30 minutes, like I'll just cut two new ones out of it. And, and I'm, you know, nowhere near the level of somebody like, I brought up passenger before, like Passenger's not going to go to in front of a hundred thousand fans, and not play "Let Her go because I don't know if you're familiar with that song, but like that, that song made him and I've heard him talk about it. And he's like, without that song, I don't get to do what I do today. That's right. And you have to have a respect for that, for that product because at the end of the day, it's a product, but mm-hmm. then it ended that it's inspiration source to you, but it's, it's a product that made you who you are.
0: Yeah. It's a value provision to the yeah. people who paid money to see you yeah. in some sense of the word.
1: And then the other side of me is like, I do, I, then I part of me does understand when an artist is like, I'll name names, like, I don't know him, he's not going to hear this, I'm sure. Or maybe he will, but he's not going to be able to find me. Um, I'm a big fan of Ben Howard, and his first album was like super surf, hardcore, it's like really, not hardcore, like, but like hardcore acoustic meaning, like, right. like you were saying. It's like all acoustic elements recorded it like in a barn, and uh, it was like cello, drum kit, acoustic guitar, that's it and then his new stuff is completely different and I'm I'm the listener I'm like oh what is he thinking and then I could read all the comments online and his fans were like you don't even play keep your head up you know or only love is like two songs that like made him big and I got and then the, the artist part of me is like you know I guess I kind of respect that he wants to take his music in a different way and he doesn't want to be de- defined by who he was in 2011 when that album came out because mm-hmm. it, he's much older now and he's a different person I I get that both ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, as an, as an artist, it seems like it would get incredibly tiresome to play the same old stuff sometimes, Yeah, unless you can channel that same energy on some level, you know, or maybe, maybe you channel it as a give to the people who are listening.
1: Yeah. That's the keys. You have to try to remember, this is actually, I heard Jack Johnson say that. He's like, you got to close your eyes and try to remember where you were when, Mm. when you wrote that song. Easier said than done in some cases, Mm -hmm. or really easy in other cases. And then there's also the the ability, especially playing solo or just, and the way I like at least a lot of my songs are, I can play them in so many different ways. It keeps them fresh for me. Play a slow version of a faster song and vice versa. It really makes it fun. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Very cool. So, So who are some of the people that you admire in the music world nowadays? Still Jack, 100%. Uh, cause I haven't mentioned him enough. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm a big fan. Uh, so the two that I have mentioned are on the list, Jack Johnson and passenger. And then I'm a big Trevor Hall fan. His music is, you know, he's pretty synonymous with the yoga community. So just really diving deep in his music kind of helped me shape some of my sounds or helped me, it inspired me in some of my songs, especially as some songs on seeker. Um, A big fan of this artist named Ziggy Alberts. He's a young, like mid twenty something, surfer guy from Australia, and he picked up guitar pretty late in life. It was like it's like sixteen, like I guess around the same time I did, but you know, a little later. And he busked around the streets in Australia, busking as, you know, street performing and built up his following. And now he's, he runs his own label. He, all of his friends and family like work for him. He does mostly DIY shows, especially in, in Australia and beyond, but, and, uh, he's playing, he's on a world tour right now and he's done everything without the help of any labels, but with the help of other people. So it's like, I'm, it'd be interesting to hear somebody like him talk about like how he dealt with control and stuff to answer that, to go back to that other question you had, but he's a big person that I like. Not only do I love his music and it, it's nostalgic for me. It has a nostalgic vibe because it's like this coastal surf vibe. Even though his music wasn't around when I surfed, it feels like it was. Um, but but the way that he is tackling the new frontier of music mm. is really inspiring to me.
0: You mean the business of music? Yes. Specifically? Yeah. yeah. as
1: Staying as a fully independent artist, launching his own label, saying no to another label. And building a team of people that he trusts around him you know his sisters his manager his best friends like run cameras or tour manager stage manager run the sound and uh, it just it's a reminder I, I bring him up all the time when people are like oh you're gonna blow up soon I'm like this takes a long time because like that gets that got in my head really early and I started waking up every day frustrated that I like, I wasn't bigger than fans said they wanted thought there would be which it's not their fault they, they, that's just someone's way of saying they like your music yeah
0: they're encouraging you yeah, so sure. when i
1: look at him and i'm like well he he busked on the street for four years which is like i guess the equivalent of what i do for that would be like playing in yoga studios even to this day which i even even though my fan base has grown a bit more and i've played some uh festivals and played out of state a ton a, a decent amount more than i ever thought i would um I still am not losing sight with that. Just like he goes back and he busks same passengers the same way. He's like a busker kind of, you have to realize like without that, like he wouldn't be where you are, but it also looking at their journey. It's like they were doing that for four times as long as I'm doing my version of that. Not that everybody's path on a timeline and is the same, but it's a good reminder that it's probably going to take a long time. And I've told myself this the other day. Uh, it was the most simple way of, of, keeping myself in check, I was saying the longer it takes, the more that I learn and the more that I learn, the better I get. Mm. And that goes with anything that you do, because mm-hmm. I always want to get better at my craft because it makes me happy because it's my passion. And if I can be a better songwriter, a better guitarist, I'm also going to be, I'm going to be a better husband because I'm going to be happier. I'm going to be more in tune with the muse and I'm going to be more in tune with the other things that are teaching me things around me. You know, the world's always trying to, I was talking to my friend about this the other day. The world is trying to teach you things all the time or the universe, whatever you want to call it. And it's up to us how we decipher it and what we're going to learn from it. Is, is everything going to happen to me or is everything going to happen for me? It's the way we look at it. And I look at the extended drawn out journey, how it feels as that's happening for you in every way. Because mm-hmm. had I did, had Jack Johnson called me up on stage at that show, because he liked the fact that I asked him to sign my surfboard, fin. I may not. I'm not going to be sitting here talking to you in that on that trajectory. Who knows? You could play that game of if then, like what happened, but it's a completely different path. So if you're happy where you are today, that everything that's because of everything that happened before you.
0: Hundred you know? percent. Yeah, I think sometimes it's it's easy to forget that the world is just one big feedback mechanism. Yeah. At the end of the day, absolutely. And then you as a performer, you as an entertainer, you as an entrepreneur, business owner, whatever the case may be, your job is to balance your expectations or to release your expectations into the wild so to speak. Yeah. And just like you said, continue to hone your craft. Yeah. And I think the way that you worded that was absolutely beautiful and it's glossed over a lot today. And that is that you're, you've fallen in love with the process of getting better. And that's just amazing. Man. Yeah. That's, that's how I know that you're something special.
1: <laughs> well. I appreciate that. Thank and, you.
0: And I use special in the sense that not that you're a gifted talent, but that you're working on your craft. You're honing your craft because yeah. so many people will fall by the wayside when they realize that what they chose into came with a whole shitload of work.
1: Yeah, I mean, but that's everything else I did. Like mm-hmm. there's a reason why I'm not pursuing a professional skateboard. I wasn't willing to put in the extra thousand hours to learn how to do a kickflip. <laughs> I still can't right. kickflip. I could do all these other tricks, but I still can't kickflip. But that, that's that's the equivalent of me going like, Putting that guitar down the first time because I couldn't get my hand to curl right into an open G chord, right. and then I picked it back up. I said, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn that." And so, it, in order to do that, you have to really love, truly love what you're doing with zero expectations. Mm-hmm. And now, when you <clears throat> nowadays and when more people start to put things in your brain, and not to their fault by any means, then you you start to get these expectations in your craft, and that's when I find that I'm frustrated mm-hmm. when I'm like. Why don't I have hundred thousand monthlies on Spotify? Why have I not opened up for Trevor Hall yet? Why have I not hmm, sold? T- why I, Why am I not playing at Red It's because, silly man, it's gonna take a long time. It's me <laughs> talking to myself. <laughs> like, you know. So that's amazing. Yeah, it, it's it's a learning process because I'll it, within the same day I'll go through both of those headspaces because mm-hmm. it's all it's all happening at the same time. And talking about it, like that's why I love talking about it or talking to other people that are going through the same thing, because it helps you go, oh, I'm doing, I'm making the same issues, or I'm do, uh, I'm dealing with the same issues, or making the same mistakes, or failing to see these learning points, or friction points along the way. Mm-hmm. But I could see it in somebody else's life. Well, when I talk at it, it's like open journaling, like I'm talking about it. Now I'll be like, oh, it's gonna solidify that more into the hard, hard. Hardware of my brain.
0: 100%. So what do you say to other artists in your genre who are trying to do similar things? So do yeah. you have advice for people coming up?
1: Yeah, well, genre aside, two things. I It's just play as much music as you can. Listen to as much music as you can. That's important in the early stages. Big caveat is you need to decide what kind of artist you want to be. Mm. Do you truly want to be your own artist? Or do you want to f- find... A way to, or you want to fill in the pop formula to to use an example. Do you? And that's fine. There's just two very different, and there's several avenues, but those are the two major avenues. Your own artist, or do you want to go down the pop route? Whether that's LA pop or country pop, whatever pop you know it is. Pop is just popular, right? So that's going to be a completely different thing. That's you're going to need to move to LA or Nashville or New York, and you're going to need to follow a thing, and you're going to be writing for other people, and you're going to have to deal. That's, I don't go down that avenue, so, I'm, so I don't really talk about that. So my thing is, if that's not where you want to go, and again, it is totally fine if it is, but if you want to be your own artist, the sooner you can start writing your own songs and stop covering songs, or at least limit the songs you cover at the open mics that you play and the, the backyard fire pit jam sessions that you play, wherever, whatever your jam session is, wherever you live, the more, the the, the faster you can get into writing your own songs the better you will become, the quicker you will become the best songwriter you can be because you're going to write a lot of bad songs. And it's important, I think, to cover other people, like I covered Jack Johnson, the Chili Pepper, like everything I talked about while also writing my songs because it helps you hone your craft. But there's got to, There's this point where if you're a painter and you're trying to learn like an art class and they're showing you like all these Monet's and these Picassos and you're trying to mimic it. It's important to learn maybe structure whether it's you know oil painting or pointillism. There's a point where you got to stop painting Starry Night because it's already been done and you have to go make your own painting because if you don't you're not going to be able to go make your version of that right. whether it looks like it resembles it or not. it Probably won't. So my biggest thing of advice is write your own music. Don't yes, in the beginning, the people at the open mics that play the whatever's on the top 40, whatever's on the radio, and they play their version of that good, or, whether they're terrible singers or amazing singers or or guitarists, they're going to get all the applause. And if it's like a competition, maybe they'll even win. But you know what? It's not about that. I was just, my dad was driving me to the airport last week from New York when, like I said, I was in New York visiting family and he was driving me and, and uh, he had one of the XM radio stations on and, and the, the Eagles <clears throat> were about to come on. And before that episode... Glenn Fry was talking. It was like they play these little audio bites from like the artist that's about to go on. And they were like, what's the biggest thing you learned about songwriting? And he said exactly that. He said he was with Bob Seger, who put him on. And he's like, I was sitting at a bar and, he, and we were watching some band. And this band was playing all cover music. And Glenn's like, well, these guys are really good. They're going to make it. And Bob Seger looked at Glenn and said, these guys are great, but they're never going anywhere because they won't write their own songs. And you need to make your own music. Like you need, you're here to make your own craft. Mm. And he's like, that was like his greatest b- bit of advice. Like that that says a lot. Because I think that, that rings true. And again, it's nothing, it has nothing to do with, you know, covering songs is fine. But like if, if you want to become a better songwriter, you have to write your own songs. I can't harp on that enough. I know I could have just said that <laughs> in two seconds, but it's so important to me. Because I really am passionate about mentoring other songwriters and helping other people out especially you know people like reach out about like how how the process, how I, what my songwriting process is and how they can get into it i'm just just write just write music there's no right or wrong
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no i can i totally picked up on the passion behind that so i'm glad you took a little yeah, longer I'm, to explain like it yeah i'm so passionate about <laughs> that that's great bro <laughs> no that's amazing uh, i appreciate you driving that home um, at this point in your career uh, what do you think success is going to look like for you
1: uh yeah success is a tricky word right yeah because your mind goes to financial success right away and for good reason we we do live in a capitalistic you world. gotta live you gotta live so i would like to the easiest way to answer it is i'd like to make most of my music income from the things i create in the studio i have a lot of respect for the artists that grind it out and are on tour all the time um and i i want to have the experience of, of touring a decent amount but i don't want to be on the road all the time um I don't like being away from my wife. I mean, nobody likes to be away from their family, but I really enjoy the time in the studio. And I enjoy, if that means if I can output 10 times as more songs and tour one-tenth the amount, play shows every now and then, because I think it's important for me to connect with fans on a personal level. I really do like meeting them and I like the energy of playing live, but nothing lights me up like the writing and recording process inside a, a home studio or any kind of studio. And so I want to do put most of my focus on that. And it's possible nowadays because of Spotify and Apple music and, and streaming. There are artists that have never toured before that are just making like a ridiculous living off of it. And I'm not saying that's going to happen or it's not going to happen. It's, it's there for the taking, but that is the way I'd like to do the most. Cause it'll free me up to do other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so mostly passive by way of recording a ton of music and putting it out there. And, uh, I would also like to collaborate with, um, more films and make more music for films. I had the honor of a couple of my songs being used in a Jeremy Jones snowboard film, which is like, you know, I grew up snowboarding. So two of my songs, one of them being adventure me were used that their, their big film and back in last fall. And I was like, yeah, that'd have been a dream of mine. And it like kind of happened. And, you know, I want to, I want to do more projects like that and like write stuff specifically for movies. And then, and then the other 10% of it would be, you know, playing my own live shows, especially, you know, the way Ziggy Alberts is doing it, like mostly DIY. His own venue, small intimate setting, connecting with the fans, you know. Amazing, but.
0: that was beautiful. Yeah, so uh, I know you were uh, generous, of, generous enough to offer up a, uh, a little sampling yeah. uh, with the guitar here in a minute, but uh, and we can do that. We just record that separately. But um, before I ask my last question, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to let everyone know how they can get in touch with you, what albums are available, how they can get your music and um, and go from there. What you got yeah. going on, on, what's coming so, up on the horizon?
1: Yeah, so coming up is album number three, and it's the one that, this is the album that I've recorded fully at home, at, at our apartment, and uh, kind of figuring out things on the fly, mixing it, mastering it, micing the gu- different guitars, you, can, you know, things are making noise in the background, I'm trying to find different <laughs> corners of the room or closets to record in, and it's been an amazing process it's a continued process. So I actually just wrote another song last night, like I mentioned, and I'm probably going to write a few more. I'm just going to try to make this a huge, you know, I thought it had to be a 10 track album just cause that's the other two were. but you know, since I have all more time and, and the money of making it is not a factor cause I don't have to pay studio costs. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to record as much as feels right. And then whatever that large batch of songs feels like they fit together. So it'll probably be like 14, 15 tracks instead of 10 maybe. And, and, uh, the goal is to have that out by, by August. It was initially going to be July, but it'll probably be closer to August, which is still fine mm-hmm. to me because um, I'm kind of setting my own pseudo deadline. And I, I'm like, wait, I don't need to have a deadline, but I like to get stuff out to the fans. But I've been releasing uh, new singles and everything from that every four to five weeks, like I said. And uh, that album is going to be called The Fire in Me, which I've, I have not announced yet, so. Exclusive. Exclusive. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you heard it here first. And um, yeah, so The Fire in Me will be out Late summer, and you can get the calm within or elemental awareness, which is the EP, or seeker, my second album. It's on everywhere Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube. Just search Rob Ricardo, and it's Ricardo with two C's R I C C A R D O. You know, I've heard every I love Lucy comment, so <laughs> with Ricky Ricardo, and uh, yeah, so you get it there, and then social media is the same, just at Rob Ricardo with two C's.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, yeah. Thanks so much, brother, for for sharing that. I know uh, I know a lot of people are going to enjoy picking up some of this stuff. And um, the last question is always the same, and that's simply this: What does wellness mean to you?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Wellness is that to be like a one-word answer, or
0: just <laughs> it's however you want to answer, my friend. No words are going to be put in your mouth during this recording.
1: Wellness is having complete self-love because if. Because if you have self-love, that means you care about yourself on an emotional level, a physical level. You're probably less attached to things, which is the root of all suffering, as the Buddha says. And uh, But if you have that self-love, then I, I can't imagine a life that, or a situation where you're not well. Because mm. mental wellness is just as important as when you think of wellness, you think of spas and gyms and all that stuff. But you know it, it goes into the brain on pretty much more than everything.
0: Totally, dude. I, I It's interesting. I, this is the first response I've heard in that vein. And it's cool to hear it come from a musician because for me, music is a huge part of my life. I love music and it impacts my day. And I think having that creates or puts me in a state of wellness a lot of times mentally or spiritually, yeah. but then I can go in into the physical world and do great things. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here today, dude. I appreciate you sharing your story, man. Super interesting life, guys. Be sure and check out Rob Ricardo. Hit up all his social media, download all his stuff. It is fantastic. And until then, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. That's gonna do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys, and if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing, and by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike, and if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com, or pick me up on social media. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.